Chapter Nineteen of From France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. From Liege to Ypres. For the last few days, I have been motoring in my Benz limousine from town to town and from battlefield to battlefield, making notes of the rebuilding that has been going on here since the war. It began the moment the guns ceased firing and has so transformed the country that some of the tourist organizations have stopped taking their parties through the different salients because the signs of devastation have almost passed away. You all know how roughly Belgium was dealt with during the World War. She incurred the anger of the Germans by holding back their armies when they were preparing to pounce down upon Paris. In July 1914, they had one million men massed on the western frontier, and on August 4th they invaded the country. On August 5th they bombarded the forts of Liege with the biggest guns ever known up to that time, and within a week three of these forts had surrendered. Meanwhile, the British had waked up and were pouring in soldiers, the French had concentrated along their frontier, and the five German armies were so delayed by little Belgium that Paris was saved and the war eventually won for the Allies. After entering Belgium, the German forces divided. Some came on and occupied Brussels, and thence made their way to Malines and Louvain to begin the short siege of Antwerp. Another force successfully bombarded Namur in the valley of the Meuse, and on the 22nd of August came the great battle of Mons, where the British, with much inferior forces, engaged 300,000 Germans and were gradually driven back step by step until they reached the Marne. But that is a part of the story of France. After the Battle of Mons, most of Belgium was evacuated by the British and the French. Brussels had been taken over by the Germans two days before. Malines had been destroyed by big guns, the Cathedral of Louvain had been battered, and its library of valuable manuscripts and 300,000 volumes had been burned. The Kaiser's troops were besieging Antwerp, which was held by the Belgians under King Albert. During the bombardment of Malines and Louvain, hundreds of business buildings and private dwellings were reduced to dust. A like fate came upon several hundred structures in Antwerp itself. During my travels, I have visited each of these cities. Most of the buildings have been restored, and in some cases, much better ones have been put up. The new private buildings are artistic. Many of them are of white stone and some have their walls decorated with carvings. All are in harmony with the old surroundings. Louvain's new million-dollar library, built by the funds raised by 640 colleges and universities in the United States, is not on the site of the old one, but faces the Place de Peuple, which is filled with old forest trees. The design is by Whitney Warren, an American architect, who planned it to harmonize with the typical architecture of Belgium. The inscription selected to run across the front in great sunken letters reads, Furore Teutonica de Ruta Dona Americano Restituta, which means destroyed by Teutonic fury, restored by America's gift. The building covers a full square of ground on the highest land in the city. On my way to Antwerp, I saw the place upon which were mounted the guns which sent shells as tall as I am a distance of ten miles into that city. The site, I am told, had been fixed by the Germans before the war. 
the guns were set up on the foundation of a wooden villa which covered a bed of reinforced concrete of great thickness the villa was taken away and these huge seventeen-inch guns whose enormous size astounded the world were placed here the bombardment lasted thirty-six hours and during a part of this time a shell was dropped every minute a gun could fire only a limited number of shells before it had to be allowed to cool the damage done to antwerp was small for the germans expected to maintain the port as one of their great war stations of the future and to use it as napoleon did when he said antwerp is a loaded pistol that i hold against england's throat fortunately for the world the famous cathedral was unharmed in all only seven hundred buildings were destroyed and some of them were so dilapidated anyhow that the city was glad to have them removed on october ninth when antwerp was surrendered by the mayor the belgians and the british had left the city and fallen back upon ghent from which they retired two days later the germans went on to take ghent and bruges and within less than a week had reached ostend at which time the belgian army was on the river Isser. you may remember the great battle of Isser, which lasted ten days and was fought upon the land upon the sea and in the air that was the first battle in which aviators were successfully employed and it was the one in which the belgians shot holes in the raised banks of the river so that its waters increased by the inflowing tide spread over the country and inflicted severe losses upon their enemies it was about the same time that the battle of ypres or as the british tommies called it wipers began the first shell descended on that town on october seventh and two days later twenty thousand germans passed through it six days after that the first british soldiers came in and on october nineteenth the british met the germans in a contest that lasted three weeks and resulted in the germans losing a quarter of a million men and the allies more than one hundred thousand another battle took place there in nineteen fifteen and a third in nineteen seventeen when the british advanced and pushed back the germans in each of these battles there was fighting throughout the surrounding country which wiped out towns and villages and caused about the worst destruction that belgium suffered during the war to understand the devastation one must recall ypres of the past more than two centuries before america was discovered the city had two hundred thousand inhabitants and was one of the richest industrial towns of the world its people wove woolen cloth silks and velvets and excepting the cathedrals the cloth hall of ypres was the finest building of the middle ages it was used by the drapers guild as its warehouse and exchange another great structure was the cathedral built about the same time and connected with the cloth hall was the new work begun the same year that the mayflower came to anchor near plymouth rock all of these buildings and others were rich in carvings paintings stained-glass windows and valuable archives the city itself reduced to less than one-tenth of its former size was a beautiful relic of artistic antiquity proud of its history but famous chiefly for its produce market in which on saturdays more than forty thousand pounds of butter changed hands at the close of the war the city was deader than sodom after lot and his two loving daughters ran off to zor the cloth hall and the cathedral were masses of ruins the houses had vanished and the town was a shell-swept graveyard there are now four hundred cemeteries scattered over the salient and they contain two hundred and fifty thousand graves 
the other day i rode by the cemetery of poel capel where are buried four thousand bodies found in shell holes on three thousand of the crosses above them are printed the words in memory of an unknown british soldier immediately after the armistice the work of reconstructing ypres was commenced the first thing was to create a bright spot in the wilderness this was done by clearing the public square and filling it with flowers shrubs and grass and planting two rows of trees along the boulevard malon which leads from it at the same time the people came back more than twelve thousand wooden structures of different types from single room sheds to temporary town halls sprang up overnight meantime brick and other materials became available and the construction of substantial houses commenced during the war something like four thousand houses in ypres were destroyed most of these have now been rebuilt yet our hearts burn as we pass the ruined cathedral and the Al with their acres of still falling walls parts of them are surrounded by scaffolding and the masons are trying to make restorations but it seems impossible that they can succeed the ruins look like those of timgad or pompeii and in places no better than the remains of old carthage which was wiped again and again from the face of the earth End of chapter 19